Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, everyone. Pretty excited about that. Go Rams. <laughs> yeah, there's no win in that one. You're always going to get something on the other side, aren't you? It's been another great week, another barbecue week for me, four in a row. Anytime that I can do four weeks of barbecue in the middle of February and January, that's a beautiful thing. So this has been a good year, and I hope that uh, things are going well in your world as well. We are uh, in a series, last week Bruce kicked it off, where through the month of February, we are going to be following along, paralleling, if you will, what the kids are learning in FBC Kids. And um, I'm excited about this series. I hope that you are as well. I hope that um, you're not going to just tune out if you don't happen to have kids or something. Because like, the point is, is that if it applies to the kids, it applies to us as well. Scripturally speaking, it, there's no difference. Well, you, God speaks into our lives. He speaks into our lives from the beginning to the end. And so uh, this is for us as well. But beyond the personal application, if you will, we have some hopes for this series that it will help us engage with our kids and our grandkids. So, so for those that do have kids, the, those that do have grandkids, maybe you even have just friends with kids, that this series will help us engage with them. And especially as we're at this point where some aren't able to be here. Some kids are watching from home and, and aren't able to be in FBC Kids or what have you here in person. So we trust that this will bond us together and, and sort of connect those uh, those ties, those relationships with our kids, and that we can be helping them to grow. And as we help them, that that also helps us as well. So I'm excited about that. We've got a lot of ground to cover this morning, and so let's just pray, and then we'll dive in, and we'll go from there. Father, today, as we look into your word, and as we consider what you have for us, I pray that you would come, and by your spirit, that you would work now, that you would uh, uh, arrive with force in our lives this morning, and that you would speak into our world, and that, Lord, as we look at some things, that you would help us to apply them, that you would help us to not just know them, but that you would help us to then be aware of them so much that we would look out in order to accomplish what you call us to. And so to that end, I pray these things now, and I ask for this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So this morning in FBC Kids... The bottom line that they are learning, the bottom line that they're underlining for the kids is that we're to show others that they matter. So we're to show others that they matter. And if we're going to do that, then I would suggest that we best believe it. If that's our objective and goal, then we need to believe it in order to then go out and accomplish that. So I want to begin this morning by looking at some foundational pieces of Scripture that help us to understand that everyone matters. Let's begin really quickly in Genesis 1, verse 27. 
There it says this, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So he covers all the bases there. And he says that as he has created mankind, he has made all of us in his image. This is backed up again in Genesis 5, chapter 1, and then again in Genesis 9, verse 6. So God comes along and he says right from the very get-go, all of mankind, not just Adam and Eve at the time, but all of us have been stamped with His image as He has created each one of us. Therefore, from that we understand that we derive our worth from our image of God and that we have all been given it and that it is all the same for each one of us. No one has been excluded from that mix. So therefore, as we look at mankind, we understand that we all have been created on the same level. That we all stand foundationally the same before God and with each other. But, we can continue on in Scripture and see this play out also in some other different ways. So let's look then at Romans 3, verses 21 to 30. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 30. If you've got your Bibles, please feel free to use them. Your phones, that's awesome as well. If not, you can follow along on the screen. This is a little bit of a section. We're going to read through and then we're going to come back and look at it. Just break it down a little bit. So Romans 3, verses 21 to 30. But now, apart from the law... The righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of the law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith 
and the uncircumcised through that same faith. As we think about the fact that everyone matters, we see here that everyone matters to God. We see this in two ways, really quickly. Everyone matters the same. Number one, we see it in the fact that we are all separated from God by our sin and nothing else. All right? Before God, we are separated from Him, all of us, by our sin and nothing else. So not our skin, not our kin, not our kind, not our class. You know, that's good preaching when there's alliteration. There should be some amens there. Right? All the best preachers have alliteration. I can only work it in once every five or six weeks. We are all the same before God because of our sin. We've all been separated from Him by our sin and our sin alone. Not our skin. Not our kin. Not our kind. Not our class. So again, we recognize that we stand shoulder to shoulder with everyone around us in mankind on that basis. None higher, none lower. Everyone in the same boat. Number two, what's more? Paul points out here that we are all saved from our sin the same way. Which is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Therefore, from that we understand that no one has to do any more than anyone else. No one has anything less to do than anyone else to be saved by God. Which is to say that we all have to place our faith in Jesus Christ. And as we place our faith in Jesus Christ, regardless of who we are, what we look like, where we come from, who we're related to, who we're not related to, what class we live in, economically speaking, our intellectual ability, whatever the case might be, as we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we can be saved from our sin. So this morning then, we see that at creation and at the foot of the cross, we are all the same. There is no difference. There's no distinction between people, we are all equal before God and equal with one another. Now, as we look at that passage more tangibly this morning, perhaps, Paul is demonstrating this fact to us through the context of Jews and Gentiles. All right? The Jewish Gentile divide that existed at the time, which was the primary divide of his day. That was the number one issue at the time. The Jews and the Gentiles did not mix. There was a huge gap there. And what Paul does here is he demonstrates as there is no difference then for Jew or Gentile in terms of sin or their standing before God, and as he demonstrates that there is no difference between Jew or Gentile in terms of how we are saved, how we are restored in our relationship with God, 
then Paul effectively blows up the divide as he points to what Christ has done. If there is no division on that level before God, Jew and Gentile, then all other divisions are inconsequential in relation to that. They don't stand up. So again, whatever distinctions that we have today, that, the Jewish-Gentile divide isn't our primary issue. We, we've drawn other things into the equation. We look at other things. We look at race. We look at gender. We look at whatever. Economic class, nationality, intellectual ability, what have you. Vaccination. We look at vaccination today and we draw a, lo- a, 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 a line, a divide. And incidentally, on that, I'm off on a tangent here now, but let me just speak to this while I'm at it. Okay, listen to me. It, it would seem that the, the, the pendulum is starting to swing back in this whole vaccination thing. And I want, I want to say, way to go FBC, way to go church. Because a lot of other churches have imploded over this over the last two years. They've blown up on this thing. And you guys have handled it really well. We've been together in this. And I know, I recognize that. I see people out here that hold very different opinions. And we're sitting together in the same pews and we're pursuing the bigger mission, which is the call of God on our lives to share the gospel with the world around us. We're not getting distracted by that. But as we go back now, as we start to see that pendulum swinging back the other way, let's not lose sight of that same fact. That our mission is to show, share the gospel with others. So let's not start to flaunt it or whatever. Let's keep those things together. Let's stay together. Let's continue to exercise grace with one another. Don't let this division divide us now. Done remarkably well. Way to go. Let's hang on to that. Let's carry on. But as Paul erases this divide then for us between Jew and Gentile, then we understand that all of these other issues are inconsequential as well. And that therefore then there is no divide between us as people. There need not be. There better not be. Paul goes on. Let's carry on. Paul goes on in Ephesians 2 to say this. Ephesians 2 14. And I, I would encourage you, we don't have time this morning, but if you want some more biblical evidence of this, then go home and read Ephesians 2, verses 11 to 22. This will underline this whole thing again. It will reinforce it. It will expand it again. Paul ex- says this, though, in Ephesians 2, verse 14. He says, For he himself, that, speaking of Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So this morning, as we come to this, again, we see that Paul points out that Christ, through what He has done, through His death and resurrection for us, because He loves us all the same, because God desires that no one should perish, He's blowing up this wall, this dividing line of, of hostility to bring us together as one into His family. And therefore, we need to understand that we are no different from anyone else. We are all the same. Christ came to save us all. 
white, black, every color. Not just the well-to-do. Not just the men. Not just the girls. Everyone. And as He's done that, as He's come, laid down His life for each one of us, then He has broken down the barriers between us all. He's destroyed that dividing line, that wall of hostility between us. And therefore, then we need to understand this morning that we best not be out there trying to rebuild it. We better not be out there trying to rebuild what Christ has broken down. More accurately, more accurately, we should be out there trying to continue to break it down as well, to tear it down as well, wherever we find it. That we would be doing the same thing. That we would be breaking down the walls of hostility between one another so that we can point people to the saving grace, the unifying grace of Jesus Christ. Now, Christ didn't come just to talk about this stuff. He also demonstrated it for us through His life. Not just His resurrection, death and resurrection, but He demonstrated it in His day-to-day world as well. We see lots of examples of this through Scripture. Of how Jesus came along and included, valued the marginalized that He encountered. We see it in the case of the woman caught in adultery. We see it in the case of Zacchaeus, the tax collector who is despised. We see it in the case of the woman who came in and anointed Christ with perfume. And we also see it, maybe, maybe, perhaps most definitively, in the story of the Samaritan lady at the well. And this is the the story that the kids are learning about this morning in, in FBC. So we're going to take some time and go to John chapter 4 and read just about 42 verses. This section of Scripture is 42 verses long, and so typically not even I would try and accomplish that in a morning service, but we're going to give it a rip this morning. I'm going to leave out a few verses in verses 30-ish area, but we're going to try and go through this so that you're up to speed on the story too, and then we're going to break it down and look at some things that we can pull out of it that speak to God's intentionality in this area here. So if you would, John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. 
There's Gentiles, and then there's Samaritans. We'll talk about that in a second. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, What do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him, with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So as we come to this piece of Scripture, and as it pertains this morning to this bottom line of showing others that they matter, the first thing that we need to note here today is verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate 
with Samaritans. Now we're going to have to truck along here a little bit this morning because the last time I was talking to you, I was a little late. And I had to incur and endure the wrath of Kelsey who did announcements last week. And you know, she's a slight girl, but she packs a punch. So I don't want to get into trouble here. So hang with me here as we walk our way through this. So first thing we need to understand is that there was this issue between Jews and Gentiles. So as Jesus comes along, sits down by the well, and as this woman appears to him, and he starts to engage with her, this is quite revolutionary. This is out of the ordinary. The whole history of this is really quite interesting. What happened was, in about somewhere in the neighborhood of 722 B.C., in and around that point, as the Assyrians started to conquer this territory, in the area of Samaria in particular, they came in and they took over, and what happened was they deposed, deported, the people, the majority of the people from this area as they conquered them. And they brought in their own citizens to repopulate the land. And so the, the bulk of them were deported, exiled out. Some were left. Others were brought in, Gentiles. And over time then, these Gentiles started to intermarry with the remaining Jews, which was a no-no. That was, that was bad because of the Jewish-Gentile divide that we talked about, saw earlier. All right, And so what happened then was that then there started to be some bigger issues that happened. These foreigners then started to bring in their religions, and they brought in their gods. And, and the Jewish people are monotheistic. They worship one god, but these ones, of course, had their own gods that they brought with them. And so for a while... The Samaritan people became polytheistic. They had different gods that they worshipped. They included Yahweh, but they had some other ones as well. Eventually, over time, that sort of sorted itself back out again. They only worshipped Yahweh. But as that happened, they didn't embrace it fully. They kind of picked and choosed, chose, picked and whatever. They selected the parts that they wanted to adhere to and the parts that they didn't want to adhere to. So this rift started to increase then between the two, to the point that when later, after the Jews had been exiled again in about 538 B.C., as they were coming back, they were going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And the Samaritans came along and said, hey, let us help you rebuild that temple in Jerusalem. And the Jewish people said, oh no, thank you very much. They rejected them. Don't need your help, thank you. Which then just torqued the Samaritans. This was not doing anything to build the bridges, right? It was further dividing the, 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 the chasm between them. So the Samaritans then, in response to that, decide, well, we're going to build our own temple. We're going to build it on Mount Gerizim or something or other over there, however you say that. And so as that happened, then the Jewish people later responded. They came, burnt it down. Burnt down their temple. So this whole hostility had been building and bubbling and boiling over the years to the point now where you could be Gentile, that was bad. But then there was, this was like, sort of almost like the in-the-family struggle, fight, you know? 
where there's the in-house problem, and it was just about as bad. The Samaritans were not at all received by the Jewish people. The Jewish people were not at all received by the Samaritans, and they dug in, entrenched on their respective sides, and they weren't getting along at all. So as Jesus arrives then that morning and He sits down at the well and this woman, this Samaritan woman comes out and Jesus then initiates a conversation with her. This is a complete mind blow to this poor girl. What is going on? And as she starts to engage with Him, she's just flabbergasted at this. So that's what's, what's happened here. Initially, right off the hop. What's more then? We need to look at verse 6. It says there that Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now John, you need to understand that as John writes, he's not writing just kind of willy-nilly. He is very intentional about what he is doing, what he's including in this story. He wants you to know it is about noon. Because at the time, the people would have recognized that is not when you go to the well. You go to the well in the morning when it's cool, not in the hot heat of the day. And so very specifically then, we understand something about this girl that's come out to draw water at noon. She's arrived there likely because she has been ostracized even by her own people. So not only is she a Samaritan now talking to a Jew, but she's a Samaritan and it isn't even accepted within her own people group. She's gone there most likely because they wouldn't have appreciated what was going on in her life. The other women, as they'd come to get water, would have looked down and criticized her for what was going on. So there's an indication here from John that this poor woman was marginalized first because she was Samaritan in front of Jesus as a Jew. But she was marginalized even more within her own people for some of the activities that she'd engaged in in her life. Next, we need to look at verse 4, where it says that now he had to go through Samaria. Now, as we look at that sentence here, it's not altogether uncommon, they tell me, for it to be phrased this way, because the, the route from uh, for, for Jesus to go back to Jerusalem was, was most direct through Samaria. So in that sense, he had to go through Samaria. It would have made sense that he was going there because he was trying to get there as directly as possible. But there's a, a sense beyond that here from John again that this is maybe something more than just the expeditious route that Jesus was taking that there is something more intentional that was going on here, that he had to go through Samaria. It hints at a divine appointment, if you will. That Jesus was actually going there because he knew he was going to talk to this woman at the time. All right, And so we see this backed up a little bit in verse 34, where the disciples have come back, and Jesus responds to them. He says, My food said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus points to the fact that he operates according to the will of God. And that God has a specific will for him. And that his will has been for him to be here at this time in order to accomplish something. So 
as we read this, I think that we need to understand and we need to see, recognize that Jesus is being very intentional here. Perhaps he has actually arrived at this time specifically because he knew that that woman was going to be there and he wanted to talk to her. But at the very least, if that's not the case, at the very least, as he is sitting there at the well, he intentionally engages in conversation with her. As she arrives to draw her water, he engages her in conversation. He reaches out to make contact. He makes the first connection. doesn't just let her do her thing. He's not going to let her get away. He's going to talk to her. Now lastly, we need to look at verse 21. There it says, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So as Jesus addresses this girl as woman, quote-unquote, Today, you and I stand the very real chance of missing something significant here. We, we, we would likely look at this and come away with it as, wow, that's sort of a little bit derogatory, isn't it? A little condescending, Jesus. I've got a friend of mine who, every once in a while, when he wants to ramp his wife up a little bit, bangs on the table and says, woman, where's breakfast, woman? Or things like that, right? He does it in fun. But, and it's a panic to kind of watch it. To the point where I've adopted it. <laughs> a little, I confess. But we see this, right? We see Jesus saying, woman, and we're kind of going, woo, dude. Like, that wasn't very nice. But we miss the point that at the time, this was actually a term of endearment or at least affection of respect even. And so, don't just take my word for it. Check out this as well. It was a term of a respect or affection, and we actually see Jesus use the very same term in John chapter 19, verse 26, as he, resp as he, he responds to his mother, to Mary. Okay? There it says this. When Jesus saw his mother there, and he's on, he's on the cross at this point. He's hanging there. And he recognizes what's going on. And he can see in Mary her concern for him and what's happening. He looks down at her. He sees his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. And he said to her, woman, here's your son. Sort of hands her off to John. Sort of just this little... Deal like, hey John, you look after her for me. Mom, John's going to be here for you now. It's the same term. So as Jesus comes to this woman at the well, and he says, woman, he's addressed her with affection and with respect. So we see all together now, that Jesus has arrived at this point to meet with this lady at the well. At the very least, he's so intentional about engaging her in conversation. 
that he starts this conversation with her. He goes on, despite the fact that he's Jewish and she's Gentile. It's irrelevant at that point. And with respect, that would not have been lost on her. He begins to talk to her and eventually to share with her the gospel. The good news that he came to bring. This morning, that wouldn't have been lost on her. And it better not be lost on us either. Can't be lost on us this morning either. Last week, Bruce, as he was speaking, and if you didn't hear his message, you really do need to go back and check it out. It was excellent. But as he was talking, he was talking about the way that Christ used miracles to verify, validate who he was and his message. And as a way for then him to present to people the gospel. And here in this situation, even as Jesus talks to this woman and shares with her everything that she ever did, as he just blows her away by showing her and telling her all about her life, even though she had never met him before. He uses that miracle, if you will, to share the gospel. Now this morning, you and I can't do miracles. We're not in the same category. But we can show others that they matter. And sadly, For some, that actually might look like a miracle today. That might look like a miracle to them today. Those that are marginalized one way or another in our world. And as God puts us in a place where we can see them, then we have this opportunity that He's given us to speak into their world and value them. So that as we do then, we have an opportunity, hopefully at that point, to share the gospel. This morning, the bottom line is that we need to show others they matter. And I know this morning that we all know that. The thing is that there are some others out there that don't. So our goal should be that no one on my block, no one on my block, no one on my watch should be marginalized should go through life thinking that they don't matter. So look around this morning. Where has God put you? Where has He situated you?
because he wants you to see someone that might be marginalized. He wants us to be looking for those that don't feel like they measure up. As you look around this morning, who do you see? Not just here. Who do you see at work? Who do you see at school? As God brings people to your mind right now, who do you see on your block, in your neighborhood, that might be thinking they don't matter? And what can you do to engage with them? What can we do? What can we do to come alongside them, to reach out, to intentionally connect? Can you take your lunch so that you can have lunch with a coworker? Another kid at school? Can you sit somewhere different at lunch? so that that would bring you into contact with them? Can you invite them over? Can you go hang out, do a coffee? Can you start a conversation? I'd encourage you to. Then value add to them. Let them know that they matter to you, and most importantly, to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, this morning again, God, you are so good to us. Lord, what a comfort it is to know that you don't operate according to some structure where some are higher and some are lower but that you love us the same. Father, and again, just to stop and think about the fact that you sent your son to die for every one of us. You're so good. And so now, Lord, with, with that in front of us, with that model before us, I pray that you would help us to follow suit, that as your people now, that we would move out and that we would continue to tear down that wall of hostility, that we would be able to share you with the world around us, that we would be able to demonstrate to people that they matter to us and most importantly to you. So as we go out from here, God, I pray now that you would help us to see the ones that you want us to see that you would motivate us to not just see them, but to walk across the room, to extend a hand, to start a conversation, however that might be, so that we could share them, share you with them. And I pray this all in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. I am barely under the wire for Kelsey. If you collect your kids quickly, maybe I'll endure, or avoid the beating.
Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.